Symmetry of faith. The symmetry of faith. Symmetry is a big word. Symmetry is you know, how things uh, kind of work together and, and line up good, right? Um, you know, so I know that Brother Joe is a builder, right? So symmetry is important. You can't just have your columns wherever you want. You can't just put your studs 116, 124 and just kind of throw them in there. There has to be an organization. There has to be, right? And there's a symmetry to faith I want to talk about. If you've got your Bibles, go to Genesis 25. Genesis 25. And we'll begin reading in verse 23. I think my brother will have it there as well. Amen. Genesis 25, 23, and we'll go to 27. And the Lord said to her, this is Rebecca, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over. That, you, you, how long we heard this, how long we've been saved, and that still always gets me, right? Because there's a lot of stuff in the scripture. How hairy do you have to be exactly for that to be what God says about you? Oh, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I think that, like, like, what are we talking about here? You know, how, how hairy do you have to be for God to be like, to name you that, and that's the one thing. Anyway, so I get distracted. Uh, but everything is in here for a reason. You see the way that it, that it works together. So, uh, like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau, and after his brother came out and took hold of Esau's heel, so that his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man. Somebody say mild. Mild man, dwelling in the tents. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Thank you for these good people, Lord. Uh, it is not by might nor my power, certainly not by um, the excellence of preaching or delivery or, or anything that a man could say, but if we can get in touch with the power of the word of God, to understand what it's saying and what you are saying through it, because it is alive and it is powerful, then something good can happen yet tonight. We thank you for the good that's already happened, but Lord, we incline our ear, we open our heart that you would speak to us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk about, uh, about these two uh, briefly, um, Jacob and Esau. And like I said, the, the, the one is particularly like, you know, the, the, the focus on him is that he's hairy, but he's also, he's a man of war. He's a man who is a hunter. He's, he, he's uh, you know, hyper-masculine is kind of what I always kind of, t it doesn't say that, that's what I always assumed. And then whenever it talks about Jacob, uh, it says he was mild. And so to me, I don't know, what, what, did you, what did you take from that? Like, where have you been when you read that scripture? He's Mild. I thought it was just kind of, you know, just a little bit, uh, uh, I, I, maybe not sissy necessarily, but he, he wasn't masculine. He wasn't, he, he, there was a juxtaposition between the two. How's that for a big word? Um, so mild. I thought that he was, you know, a little bit soft. Is that fair? He was in the tents. The other guy was out killing stuff, and he was in the tents. Mama's boy. You know, that's, that's what I always thought. He's he, like, that's, right? Yeah, you did too, so don't act like that's not what you took away from this. Um, and, and so we have these two characters, and there is a huge gulf between the two of them. And uh, one is kind of trying to step into, and you know the story, he's trying to step into the role and the, uh, the, the purpose 
and even the placement of the other. The younger is trying to make what he understands to be God's will and what, what's going to happen for him. He's trying to make that happen. He's trying to, uh, there's a lot of danger in trying to facilitate God's will rather than just seeking God's will. Right? To make it happen. Now, that doesn't mean we should be idle, right? Because that's a huge problem, too. But when we try to facilitate in our own power and bring God's promises to pass, rather than trusting and obeying God, then we get into trouble, church. We need to learn how to obey without taking command and taking charge in our lives. So we see that. Um, and I, I don't even, I shouldn't even maybe put this illustration in, it just, but I couldn't stop thinking about it because I was on the way to London. Um, there was a guy named Josh McCutcheon a long time ago, like not that long ago, but he was in the OBI choir and he was, he was a big fella. I remember this because I was about that tall. And, but he, I thought they were so cool. He was so cool, like, you know, just like the awesome guy. He was funny. Like some of you know who I'm talking about. Excellent. Oh boy. And we're live streaming. He was very, he was a very muscular guy. So yeah. Amen. So I will fix that up. Um, and he, left a pair, uh, like he had changed and, and you know, the, like the, the choir came and they had stayed at, at grandma's house a bunch of, and he had left a pair of his pants behind. And I, you know, I was this tall, but he was like, and he had already gone on, you know, the, the choir had already left. And so I, grandma had washed them, left them there. She's like, I don't know if they'll ever come back. I took his pants because they were name brand and I didn't have no name brand pants and they were so huge that I had to bungee strap them onto myself practically. I had to fold them in like that, these, these jeans of his, because they were Ralph Lauren, they were super cool, and I would put them on, and, and I had to fold them in like a diaper and then just cinch it up, you guys, whatever. Like, I'm going to tell you my story. And I would wear those things, and my mom would say, oh, you're killing me, you look so stupid. Why are you wearing this? It's like 48 size pants, and you're, just like, and you're in one leg of these, so you would, and it would still fit. And, you got, and I was like, no, they're so cool. You know, that guy who wore them was so cool. So I want to be cool. I want to be like him. I, you know, these are great pants, mom. <laughs> you know, as I would try to walk in them. And I, I, this probably goes better with a David and Saul's armor type of message. But for the purposes tonight, you don't look good wearing what God assigned somebody else. Hey, man, you thought I was just out there on a limb. I was not. You don't look good in what you weren't created to wear. You don't look good in what you weren't created to carry. You don't look good in what you were not anointed to do, but you saw somebody else do, and it was anointed, and it was good, and it seemed powerful, and you just don't really see the value that God has placed in you. You've never really had an understanding of that or a revelation, so now you've wasted all your time, and you're frustrated because it doesn't fit. The armor doesn't fit. The stuff doesn't fit. And Jacob finds himself very, very much much in the same vein of thought. I need to reach forward and I need to, I need to put on, oh, it does work. It really does work. I need to put on these goat skins and wear something that itches, that chafes. That's not how God created me. It's not what he has for me. And I shouldn't really be trying to advocate. I should, definitely shouldn't be stealing and lying to look like something that I'm not, but I have to, because I don't know me and I don't have a value placed on me because I haven't let God Place an anointing and a value on me. I need somebody else's. Oh, we've all been there. Every one of us in some way, form, or fashion. So just briefly, I'm going to hit, you know, just hit the highlights of, of the interaction there. The prophecy has been given promising that God will reverse the roles of the elder and younger. And Jacob 
will choose to negotiate, dealing sharply and underhandedly with his hungry brother Esau for what he thinks God has promised him, trading the bowl of stew for the blessing. Esau despised it, but that, didn't mean, that, that only meant that he didn't put enough value on it to keep it when he was hungry. Don't give up things when you're hungry. Amen. Don't spiritually, don't, you know, they, they tell pastors, don't resign on a Monday, right? But church, don't give up things when you're hungry. Don't, don't start making concessions when you're spiritually weak, when you're discouraged, when you're walking through it and you don't see it. And so, yeah, I'm going to pull back. I've been down for a little while, so I'm just going to, I'm going to pull back for a little while from church. I'm not, I'm not going to attend that service. And I, I, I need some me time. I'm going to focus on some of this. Amen. And I, I just, I'm going to pull back because I'm wounded because that's, I'm pretty sure I saw her mouth move across the, the sanctuary and she was talking about me. <laughs> yeah. And all this stuff. I'm going to pull back and I'm going to take on a Offenses, and instead of just uh, taking care of things and then obeying the law of Christ, which is not to be offended, we forget about that in there, right? Right? We're always worried about somebody offending us. Well, maybe we offend Jesus when we don't obey his word, which says don't be offended. Anyway, I threw that one in for free. Yeah, we pull back, right? Don't give up things when you're hungry. Don't make decisions whenever you are in a low and discouraged place. It's amazing how, from hindsight, you say, why in the world did I make major spiritual decisions whenever I was in the low place instead of the high? What you do is you remember what it looked like in the high place, and you hold on to God's unchanging hand until you come through. And he will bring you through. Amen? Amen. Some of you old saints of God, older saints of God, you know what I'm talking about, and you can bear witness. I held on in the valley because he was headed up to the mountain. Praise God. The decision that will lead to what happens in Genesis 27, the theft of this blessing of the firstborn, this is a bigger deal. That's actually all in out. You know, you understand, you remember what happens. He puts on the goat skin, and his father, who is blind, somebody say blind. Right, he, he cannot see clearly just enough, and so he is deceived, and the blessing of the firstborn is stolen. It will lead to this theft, and it will lead to his pain, loss, betrayal, injury, and humiliation. And Jacob will come back and be at the mercy of Esau. Now, I want to teach you just a little bit here. I, like I said, I, I want to honor you. I want to honor um, you know, the, you know, the, the schedule here at church and, uh, and to not you know, belabor any points, but I do want to obey God more. Amen. I want, I want to make sure that if there's something that God would have said or to be received in a spiritual context, that that is priority. Amen. Amen. So you know the story. A lot of you know the story real well. Immediately when I said, Harry, Sister, Sister Jarvis laughed because she's like, she knows. She's, you know, we're all familiar, right? But I want to tell you the rest of the story. There was a, a well, young people, an influencer many, many years ago named Paul Harvey who would give you what, Elder Saints? My people. The rest of the story. This is the rest of the story here in Genesis, in this passage. The perfect man. Like, I already, we've already established what I thought the perfect man, or, or the, this, uh, this man who was mild. Um, at one point, did you know that Jacob, though, before all this mistakes and for all the, you know, his theft and you know, the identity crisis, he was a perfect man. Is that interesting, isn't it? Well, I'll prove it. He was perfect. He was upright. He was complete. He was an undefiled man. 
Now, you don't read that anywhere in the text necessarily, right? So you're like, well, where do you get that, that he was a perfect man? Well, the truth is he was not always the deceiver. He was not always the scoundrel. He was not always the guy that we think of who's the usurping agent in the story. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because I do, when it said mild, um, how many like mild uh, flavors? How many, okay, and down. And how many like really spicy flavors? Okay. Yeah, I, I bet you do, Southwest. Yeah, brother. Yeah, I, I bet. Okay. Uh, sometimes mayonnaise gets, gets me a little, yeah. Like, I am the most mild person in the world when it comes to flavors. It's awful. Like, I can't enjoy nothing, right? <laughs> like, I, I have a very, very mild uh, palate, taste buds myself. And so when, whenever you think of this, he was a mild man. I think, you know, he's just kind of lame. Kind of, you know, he's just, you know, he's, he's, but that's not what that word really means. And if you do a good word search, you'll understand that the, uh, the Hebrew word there is tom. And it is used 14 different times in regard to other men. Now, I have no interest in reinventing the meaning of the text. I don't want to do that. That's not what I seek to do here. Um, but I do want to show you what it means elsewhere in the word. That same word that's translated other places in the Bible. Would that be all right? Well, because in Exodus, it's translated as complete. So you think, oh, Jacob wasn't just mild. He wasn't just lame, right? He was just, you know, kind of limp-wristed. Like, no, he was complete, Right? Uh, in Job, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight times in the book of Job, this same word is translated as perfect. So you know how we've heard a, a million and a half sermons about how Job was a perfect man? That's that same word translated all those times, again and again and again. It's T O W M in English, so Tom. It, it is the same as what Jacob is being called whenever he's being referred to as a mild man, which we thought was just super lame. This is, this is, and there's a point to this. In Proverbs, it's translated as upright. In Song of Solomon, two different times, it's used as undefiled. We're talking something very, very good. So mild was not soft. It was actually a type of strong. What the Word of God is talking about with this man, Jacob, we always see him as just this diminished, lame, you know, chasing, uh, you know, insecure person. But there was a time before he decided he needed to be somebody else where he was functioning as who he was supposed to be. And it was actually a man of excellence. It was a man of greatness. But Jacob wanted to move forward into blessing and better things. And Jacob did not realize that the character in him because that's character. He was upright. He was undefiled. He was, he was obedient to his parents. He was doing all the right things. Esau may have been out hunting and killing stuff. And, and you know, he, was a, he was a man of war, a man of the field. That's fine. But what Jacob is actually doing at home, instead of just looking like just kind of being a leech around mom's you know, skirts all the time, he was actually being an anointed, powerful, important guy. He was perfect is what the Bible would translate that in other areas, the translators. So he is not nobody. He's just not who he wants to be. He wasn't soft, he wasn't mild, he just was looking at something else. And Jacob did not realize that the character in him that he could control was more important than the hands of blessing on him that he couldn't control. He wanted the hand of blessing on him. He wanted, he wanted that anointing. He wanted the, he wanted the check off, right? He wanted that to happen because that's what was more visual, right? He was seeking after somebody else's purpose and anointing. It's sad because he was the perfect man. And then he, this, this kind of changes the whole context of the story a little bit, doesn't it? Because he's, he is important. 
He has a purpose. He has an anointing, but it's not enough because visually he needs to change and take somebody else's. So he lies, he usurps, and he grabs, and he goes from being the perfect man to a pursued man. What a transition. He is there. Things are going great. He is operating in favor. But now because he has broke down God's system of blessing, God's system of obedience in his life, he is now being pursued violently. And it keeps on because I'll tell you what, once we decide that we're not going to do things God's way, it is a sick cycle. And then we go from one mistake to the other. And now, now we're pursuing this other kind of high. We're pursuing some other kind of venture. And you look at him and you see him, you know, they walk away from God. And, and, and then this thing that, that seemed to have been worth walking away from God falls apart into a million pieces and so instead of just coming back to God like you would hope that they would and that you pray that they do they go and find something crazier than that and they go and they pursue that another different kind of high another different kind of purpose and 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 that it just keeps happening and nothing works out because and let me tell you why because God cannot God will not bless who you pretend to be the only person that God can bless will bless should bless does bless is who he called you and created you to be Amen? And you see it, and they just keep on going, and they keep doing crazier and crazier stuff. And finally, when the whole world blows apart, then finally, maybe, hopefully, God willing to come back, and then God can begin to do the real work of restoring and blessing the work he always wanted to do. Yes, this man, he, he's pursued by Esau in a life-and-death escape. He's pursued by Laban, his uncle, when he tries to leave Laban's house. And then he's pursued by Esau again. And now there's nowhere left to run. And God finally essentially has to break his leg, right? You know, in KJV, touch him in the hollow of his hip. But we kind of lose some stuff sometimes with the beautiful uh, language there. Uh, you know, he, God pretty much you know, touched it to where he can't you know, cause that, that muscle to shrink to where he cannot run anymore. Boy, I, I hate to see it. But I'd rather God do a work, even if it's hard in someone's life, to bring him home. Amen. If you're here under the sound of my voice and, and you're outside the camp, I, I tell you what I preached a couple weeks ago about the, uh, the lost coin. And that's interesting because it's sandwiched between the lost sheep and the lost son, the prodigal son. And that one doesn't get quite the highlight reel. But the lost coin, something about the lost coin, it can be lost and never leave the house. Yeah. You can be lost right, right, right there and getting more lost. God help us. Turn around and, and embrace what God has for you. Come back to the master. Don't let yourself continue to wander. Don't let yourself begin to continue to heap up offenses and excuses. Get a hold of God in an altar of prayer. Come forth. Touch God. Let the Holy Ghost fix that up. Let go of that offense. That'll drag you straight to hell if you let it. Let go of those problems. Let go of those fears. Let go of all that stuff that, that the enemy has tried to pile on you and you've taken on to yourself. Let it go and let God lead you to what he has for you because I promise it'll be better than what you think indulging that thing feels. Hallelujah. Let God touch you tonight. Yes, sir. It's time for a reckoning, though, for this man because he can no longer run anymore. He's been the pursued man until the point where God took away his ability to run away, really. And now there's a reckoning. Now, here's what's interesting. He goes from being the pursued man to being healed and restored to his family to being the prophetic man. 
See, that reckoning went well when he finally, and it always does. Sinner, if you're here tonight, I love you and I'm for you. For you. It's going to go better than you think it will. It always does. We have this mind, this thing that we let the enemy talk us into. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be hatefulness. There's going to be people. It's never like that. I've been around long enough to know I got a little gray, a lot of gray coming in. I've seen it enough to know it always, the reckoning always goes good. God loves you. He's for you. And if, if, if it's really his people, they're for you. And they've got open arms and they are for you. This church is for you, child of God or lost sinner. This church is for you and God is for you. Come back home. Somebody said amen. Amen. That reckoning went well, and there is forgiveness and restoration. And Jacob breathes his first actual free breath in over 20 years. It's the first time I've not been running in a long time. Some of us know what that feels like, don't we? When you finally get right with God, and there's no feeling in the world like it. I'm so proud of you, Zach. Brother Zach. Brother Jarvis. What great things God has done. What great things God is going to do. Amen. I'm just so overjoyed at the miracles and the wonderful things that God has done. It, when we stop running, it's always better than we thought. Amen. Amen. I just can't get over it, but I better. Yes. See, the story does not end there. It ends for Jacob. It ends for him many, many years later on a sickbed in Egypt with his two grandsons in front of him. All right, so I just pulled the lens way, way out. For anyone who got a um, little uh, whiplash, I do apologize. But real quick, as I continue to begin to close, hey amen, that's your first close. We see, we leave all that behind, the whole story, the Jacob and Esau part, and now we skip all the part of Joseph, you know, coat of many colors, Egypt, dreams, heads, all these things, and it's good. And then we go all the way to where now Joseph has been blessed mightily um, with Ephraim and Manasseh, these two boys that are now the children of promise, right? These two amazing uh, children. And we wonder, sometimes you might wonder, well, why is there not a tribe of Joseph? Joseph got the double portion. It's named after his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, right? And so we're going to zoom all the way to that lens. And uh, let's look at that real quick. Um, <clears throat> Genesis 48, 14. Uh, and if anyone is going to play music, I welcome you. I bless you if that's uh, you know, how we want to go. But I do want to focus on this last bit. Then Israel, which is Jacob, stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, knowing who was younger. And in his left hand, he put on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly. Somebody said knowingly. For Manasseh was the firstborn, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has fed me all my life long, even to this day, and the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be upon them in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. What a blessing. Now, here's what's interesting to me. And I'm sure you've all seen this before when you read the text, but it just came to me as the Holy Spirit dealt with me. I'll take you to this crazy moment because in this moment, Jacob realizes that he's back to where it all started. I'd never seen that before. Jacob realizes that 
It's the same. It's a blind father praying over two sons and giving the blessing of the firstborn to the secondborn. And in this moment where just realization explodes into his spirit, I know he must have wept. How must he have felt as he realizes in this moment that the hardest and worst things in his life that ever happened to him, they happened because he did not trust God and allow God to do this over him from his father. God was always going to do what he wanted to do. And I submit to you that from the context and from the, from the text um, that to bring this all home so you understand, all these years later, God fulfills his own promise in his own way. And he could have spoke to Isaac and said, cross your hands and give him the blessing that he had to go and steal and destroy half of his life over. And so all these years later, he's like, he, he's sitting there, he's thinking, oh God, are, are, wow, how I, how I missed it. I didn't even know this was an option. I didn't understand this. I didn't understand that you could do what you wanted to do in my life, that I didn't need to, to, to take on somebody else's identity. I didn't need to steal. I didn't need to get out of your will. I didn't get, need to get out of your way. I could have just been the mild man that you created me to be, the man of excellence, the man who just loved and did right, and you would have worried about it. You would have taken the impetus of making your will and your word happen in the right time. God, why, oh, why, oh, why did I have to steal and destroy? And, and then both of my parents died and I wasn't able to be there. I hadn't seen them in, in 15 years and now I'm in this and I'm the sixth cycle and I, I broke my leg and all these horrible things have happened because I could not understand that God will do what he wants to do in your life. That God is good for his word. I'm telling you right now, church, and now I want to just leave you with this, and I want you to focus on this, that God, you do not need to make God's will happen in your life. Only bad things happen then. You don't need it. And right now, I feel like the Holy Spirit would like to talk to some people, particularly some young folks, and say, you need to stop focusing on what everybody else is doing. You need to stop focusing on what their anointing looks like, on what their purpose looks like. You need to stop worrying about that and trying to make it happen because if you would just sit still, if you would just obey me and just come into agreement with I, what I have for you, I can make it happen when I want to. I didn't ask you to be somebody else. I asked you to be you. I ask you to obey me. Amen? So i got to ask you, do you trust God to do what he said? That's the first thing. Do you trust him? You think maybe, just maybe, the creator of the universe can pull off whatever you need in your life? I think he can. And I know that he will. Amen? God's truth goes a lot farther than our lies. Amen? Do you believe in God to accomplish his word and his will over your life? Do you need to repent? Do you need to repent for taking things into your own hands and operating in a spirit of pride and control? Amen. We have a bad habit sometimes of, of, of taking on a spirit of pride and control and calling it stewardship and excellence. Amen. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've, I've done it. You know, and we say, you know, oh, no, I'm, 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 being, I'm, just, I'm pursuing excellence. I'm being a good steward. No, you're, 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 we may be being prideful, right, and not listening to God. 
do you need to realign your heart tonight? And do you need to choose to trust God in faith to do what only he can do in the end? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I hope that I have uh, I've been able to be an encouragement. But I do want to, make, to give this moment and create a space uh, to align with God's word and what he might say to you tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Number one, that your plans are good. That your thoughts toward us are good. That it is a good plan that you have. And God, forgive us for when we assume that you're not the God who can carry it out. Who can bring it to pass in our lives. So God, we humble ourselves before you as as your children. Search us. If there are areas where we're misaligned and, and we've been trying to be and trying to do and trying to accomplish, we've been striving and not trusting, not obeying, not following after you, Lord. Then, God, I pray that your sweet Holy Spirit will touch us tonight, God. Put your hand on that thing. Stir us, Lord. Bring, bring illumination and understanding to the areas in our hearts and lives where we know that we're not operating according to what you have created and what you've called in us. We're operating to what we think you should have called, what you should have created, what you should have made. But tonight, Lord, now to speak for the church, we come under your good authority and we believe and we trust and we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. And we pray, oh God, oh God, that, that you will bring us back to where we need to be. And we know that your thoughts toward us are good and that he who has begun a good work in us is faithful also to finish it. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We give this to you. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice, and you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You, you, you just, you, you gotta, you gotta get rid of that goat skin. You gotta get rid of, of that, that identity that you're trying to operate in that's just not from God, that plan that you're trying to make happen. And you just, you know that God has a way, but He's not moving quite fast enough and you don't see how He's going to. If that's you here tonight, I wanna challenge you to come forward to an altar of prayer and come home and let God align those things. Put all of the pressure of these things on God tonight. Amen. God, I need you to work things out in my life. God, I need you to work things out in my relationships. God, I need you to meet the need. I'm tired of trying it in my own strength. If that's you... These altars are open. I'm not going to tarry long. I do know that God is speaking to hearts and lives tonight. 